When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm like, once you get me going, I can talk, but uh, whatever. Anyway, let's just go. Let's do it. When I get older, losing my head many years from now, will you still be sending me a valentine? Birthday greetings, bottle of wine. If I'd been out till quarter to three, would you lock the door? Will you still need me? Will you still feed me? Pushing down Telegraph Avenue towards Amoeba from the 510 Skate Shop, I'm Schmitty, and this is Talkin' Schmidt. Today is episode 64, and we have Dandy Harris. Dandy is co-owner of 510 Skate Shop in Berkeley with her husband Jerry, which they opened way back in 1998. She's seen a lot of trends come and go through the shop, but none has worked out better than the Travis Scott Dunks release at the same time as the Treasure Island three-year anniversary. So we decided that we were going to sell raffle tickets, $20 each, up to a three raffle ticket max, and all the money for the raffle tickets we would just pass on to Treasure Island Skate Park. But it ended up being over $30,000. Look, we all know that we don't know what the next few months are going to be like. They've stopped all sports, bars are closed, the store's frozen sections and toilet paper is obsolete. I really encourage you all to stay safe and healthy out there. Wash your hands, stay indoors as much as possible, and just take good care in general. I let this podcast go a little longer today in hopes I can bring some fun, laughter, and something other than the coronavirus to listen to as a distraction. I'm really hoping I can continue to do these each Tuesday, even if I have to do some by phone. Okay, well, with that being said, here's today's guest. This is Dandy, and you're listening to Talkin' Schmidt. It's cool, like tonight is the night. Here we go again. Just give it the old cars turn, isn't it? All big dogs in. Schmitty. 96 times, Schmitty. Thanks, Schmitty. We on? Schmitty. Talking Schmidt. That's called going to the hospital, bitch. I'd be shitting my pants. Glad. Your Rolodex is fucking deep. I don't give a fuck about your fucking multi-million dollar numbers. Who's this guy thinks he's tough shit? What's up? Let's hear it for Greg Smith. Okay, happy St. Patrick's Day, Aaron Gobra and all that. I just came in from Tucson, Arizona, hopped up on coffee, and I am here with co-owner of the 510 Skate Shop in Berkeley, California. This is Dandy Harris. Hi. Yeah, I stumbled through that a little bit, but I did just come in from Arizona. I was in the uh, airport, and my flight was delayed, and somehow I arrived early. They do that. It seems like that happens a lot. I think they want to, you know, make the passengers happy. So they figured 
tell them one time and then if you get there early everybody's more happy my feeling is they just get in the air and they punch it they're just going like we can fucking rev this bad boy because oh, <laughs> we left a half hour late and we got here a half hour early i think uh, they figured it out i'm sober for a little while right now and uh i've usually spent most of my delayed and layover time drinking beer mm-hmm. But when I got sober, I replaced the beer with coffee. So I'm really jacked up on caffeine right now. <laughs> and it should be interesting. This will be fun one, though. I'm stoked yeah, yeah. you made it across the bay. We're going to yes. fucking dive into a bunch of stuff. Okay, cool. Um, I want to start with the uh, beginning, though. Like, you were born and raised over there, right? Uh, no, I was born here in San Francisco in Bernal oh. Heights in a house. My actual first name is Dandelion. I was born in early 70s, San Francisco. My parents were hippies. They're both from New York. It's actually a pretty interesting story. They they uh, went to India when my mom was pregnant with me, and then they wanted to come to San Francisco, but they didn't have any money, so they smuggled five pounds of hash into San Francisco and uh, lived on that for the first year of my life. Wow. Then uh, we lived here for like a year, and then we moved up to Santa Rosa and lived there like on this farm. So what's your full name? Dandelion Kelly Daya Mayo Bordeaux Harris. Ah, I had an interesting conversation right before I came over here with my fiance. And she's like, have you ever thought about maiden names? Isn't the maiden name weird that like you actually get it from your father? Like it's never been the woman. <laughs> and I was like, no, it's true. It's not true because Eve or whoever the first woman is, her last name was the maiden name. And she's like, yeah, but that's just a one shot. And I was like, yeah, but that's how it works. How, what makes you think? What did Eve have a last name? I don't never heard that. I don't know. I mean, somehow there was somebody <laughs> with a last name. <laughs> Eve's last name. Well, was I mean, the maiden here's name. the thing. If you believe Eve was the first woman, uh-huh. she probably had a, a last name. They just didn't put it in there. Adam and Eve sounded like tight, but Adam <laughs> Jablonski and Eve <laughs> Samarajajon, it would be like, we'd lose like half of our audience, you know? Have you listened to this podcast at all? Yes, quite a bit. Really? Yeah. Do you have a favorite moment or a favorite episode or anybody that you enjoyed a lot? Uh, I really liked Alex White's interview. Oh, cool. I really like her. She's a friend. Yeah, I loved her interview and I felt like, oh man, I'm going to have to follow Alex's interview. (laughs) It's going to be hard. Well, we're going to start this off with a little something special. I got you something. And I didn't bring you any pie from Bake Sale Betty because they're closed on Mondays. That's the only reason. I brought you a beanie Sick. and a couple car air fresheners. Oh, yeah. Because it's our cute little dog. Super cute. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. All right. So basically, you grew up in Santa Rosa then? <laughs> no. Or you were just all over? Uh, we were all. I mean, we were all over, but in a pretty small area. Like my husband, Jerry, who's my business partner also and I know we'll get to that but he really was all over his family like moved all around the country Uh but my family we stayed in and around the Bay Area so Santa Rosa then after Santa Rosa we moved to Richmond because my dad went to UC Berkeley and then while he was going to Cal we lived in Richmond like right near Richmond High off San Pablo and we were there for four years and then after he graduated we moved to Petaluma so that's where I went to 
high school, junior high. And are your parents still there? They're still there. And my older sister lives there. And my younger sister's in San Francisco. And my husband's, one of his brothers is in San Francisco. So a lot of us are around here. Yeah, and I didn't. I moved to Oakland in 1995. Did so. you go to UC Berkeley? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I didn't get in straight out of high school. I wouldn't have. I went to City College for three years after high school, and then I did very well there and got straight A's, and then I transferred in as a junior. So, nice. yeah. What stage of your life would you think that you started getting into skateboarding? Um. Well, my first interest in skateboarding came. When I was in junior high, my older sister, Daisy, oh, my older sister's name is Daisy, so Daisy and Dandelion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She rode a skateboard. She was one of very few girls in Petaluma who skated. And she hung out with all the skaters. She's four years older than me. And that had a big influence on me. I was, you know, I watched. I wasn't really invited to hang out with them, but I was, <laughs> I was watching. There were kids, you know, a lot of kids my age skating. I was not skateboarding. I was um, actually a competitive gymnast at the time. Oh. It was pretty intimidating. Like, girls weren't really encouraged or invited to actually get on a skateboard. Mm. And I definitely felt like... Not gonna put myself out there like that because I don't want to get laughed at, or I didn't do it. I didn't get on a skateboard, but I hung out. And then I kind of like went really away from it in high school. Like I didn't really come back to it until I moved to Berkeley, or I actually moved to Oakland. I lived by myself. I was already 21 when I transferred into Cal, and I didn't know anybody, even though I was pretty close to home. Like I didn't have any friends in mm -hmm. the East Bay. I. I just started skating kind of out of, I saw a girl skating at Cal one day and I was pretty inspired. I actually ran up to her and was like, oh, you skate, like, when did you, you know, you like, how did you get into it? What did you, you know, I was yeah. really, <laughs> um, so we started hanging out a little bit and that's when I first started skating, but um, we didn't stay friends very long and I kept skating like originally kind of, I was really bored and isolated and didn't have any friends and so before I moved up here I had lived in Santa Barbara for two years. Did you go to junior college in, in IV or something? Yeah, so actually I went to Santa Rosa Junior College for one year okay. when I lived at home after high school and then I was so bummed on still being at home so um, yeah I decided to just move down there I got a job as a waitress and, and found an apartment that I shared with a total stranger. We shared a bedroom, but it was like a one-bedroom apartment, a block from the beach, and I think my share of the rent was like $330. And just went to City College there for two years. Nice. So then I applied to Cal while I was there, and that's how I ended up up here. There was no desire to go to UCSB? There was. I actually applied and got into UCLA and UCSB and UC Berkeley, and uh, but I initially really did want to go to UCLA. I just wasn't really ready to come back up here. I felt like I had barely left home. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, I just, some things happened and last minute I ended up, very last minute, just being like, fuck it, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go to Cal. It's the best school and um, I got in. <laughs> so I shouldn't throw that away. 
like I said, I had my apartment. I didn't know anybody, but a friend I had visited who lived in San Francisco when I lived in Santa Barbara a couple times had brought me to this bar called the Drunk Tank. Do you remember that place? Yeah. Right across from the deluxe store. Oh, yeah. So that was like one of the only bars I was really familiar with uh-huh. around anywhere. And Oakland had like nothing going on then right. as far as I knew. I'm probably people who lived in Oakland were like, yeah, there was. There was this <laughs> yeah. bar, this bar. But you don't know the store club? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to the store club. <laughs> I, this was, you know, I'm like 21. Yeah. And yeah, Oakland was intimidating sure. to go further into Oakland. I lived um I lived uh on Claremont and Telegraph, so North Oakland, you know, pretty close to Berkeley, the Berkeley border, which right. is like 2 miles down from the shop. I, I get lost in Oakland. I'm not I'm not over there that yeah. much, but at night I'm like, "Wait, where am I?" Right, and you want to know where you are. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> so so the drunk tank and so I would just go there by myself. So I would go there and I started meeting people and most of the people I met were skateboarders. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. Like it felt very familiar. The people I was meeting, it felt like kind of like coming back to something that felt good and felt more true to myself. I think like when I was away from skateboarding through high school and those years, I I was kind of playing a part, trying to fit in. You know, and I think when you're in a small town, like I went to high school in the very late 80s and early 90s. I graduated in 92. There weren't really any skateboarders at my school, in my high school. Like when I was in middle school in the late, like 87, 86, 87, there were a bunch of kids skating. That's when I was hanging out and everything. Uh And then either all of those people either stopped skateboarding pretty much or went to like continuation school or whatever. Like then there was like nobody from that crew ended up in my high school. (laughs) That's how mine was too. Do you miss the gymnast days? Um, No, I, I got really, uh, really super scared in gymnastics. That's why I ended up quitting gymnastics um, in high school because I got, I just, it was like all of a sudden I started getting terrified and I, I, what were you doing? Women do uh, floor beam, vault and the uneven bars oh yeah so those four events all the rest is men and you did all four of them? oh yeah yeah i was a com- so when you compete you have to the vault one's nuts <laughs> it's all nuts oh, like they're really? all super crazy yeah. and it was like i had not had a lot of fear for years and just been charging and like getting better pretty quickly and got to a decently high level where i was doing some kind of crazy stuff and it just, I didn't even get injured. Hmm. I just, this is so stupid. Nobody's even going to know what I'm talking about. Yes, they are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's called a double full. It's just like a, a laid out back. You have to run and, you know, you do the warm, the, when you, you run, do, you do a round off back handspring and then you go up and you do and the. And do a double flip. No. So it's a single flip with a body straight, but with two twists. So two 360s in Damn. the air. So I remember one time I was working on that and I got kind of like lost in the air just for like a second. And I landed weird, but I didn't get injured or anything. And it really flipped a switch in my mind. Like, oh, that can happen. Uh, like, wait, what? <laughs> like I just got, yeah, like I didn't know where I was. And I was like flipping around upside down twist in the air that was really scary, and it, it changed everything. Do you uh, 
Do you find yourself in the snow ever with the snowboarding? Yeah, I, I got really into snowboarding before I skated. So I bet you'd be good because if you got the skateboarding balance and the gymnastics, you're going Sean White triple Lindy flip. <laughs> <laughs> but I have the fear, so uh. I'm not doing that. But I did. I I was snowboarding snowboarding a lot. Like when I first moved to Oakland, mm. um, that first winter, I I actually yeah I was up at Tahoe at Kirkwood like every chance I got and I I was uh, yeah I was going snowboarding all the time and I had a lot of friends up there like most of the people I hung out with were in Tahoe Uh and I just um it was that next summer when I really started skating a lot because I couldn't snowboard so I just started skating a lot that summer that next summer and then never stopped was the story leading to you met your husband Jerry at the drunk tank or no no, I didn't meet him there. He never, I think that place was shut down by the time. When did you, do you remember when that place closed? No. I don't think he ever went there. Okay. Probably like late 90s, right? Maybe. Where, how did you meet? So we met in San Francisco. There was no Tinder back then. Oh, there was no Tinder, <laughs> but there was like raves and drugs. Oh. <laughs> Basically, what the other thing that happened when I was just <laughs> lonely and um, I started going to those parties, just, you know, small kind of underground Spun raves. Days? I didn't even call them raves. Spun days. I don't remember that one. Like the friends and family parties, harmony parties. Spun days was every Sunday at the clock tower. No. And, and it was in the basement under under there. I went on. And there was like a barber shop. I didn't go to that one because <laughs> on Sundays I would go out to, uh, you know, like right up at the base of the Richmond Bridge, there's a party there every, oh, the, like a I sunset never, party see, I every Sunday. I didn't fuck with Richmond. My first rave was in Petaluma, I think. No way. It was at a, a miniature golf um, place. Wow. And I got on those carts yeah. and uh, something happened to me for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and it was exciting. And next thing you know, we're climbing the batting cages. Mike Carroll and all these <gasps> SF skaters were oh there. And I was just God. like, we are doing it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, oh then I started God. working for Think. And uh, Greg Carroll and Keith Cochran were like kind of like pretty legendary in that world. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I was see, I was like feeling like, oh, man, I'm embarrassed. Just, no, I'm embarrassed that, this room, like, oh, cool. You got to yeah, be nice Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So. So that's where you met. So I met Jerry, yeah, at a party in the city. It was like this crazy warehouse south of Market. In my memory, it was like an old house. I mean, it was like three. I remember being like a really tall house. He done ecstasy for the very, very first time at that party. I'm four years older than him. And I have going, been going to parties like that for mm. a little while already. I went to Burning Man in like 1996. Damn. Yeah, before I met him. But anyway, yeah, Jerry was just, he was all, you know, how, <laughs> how you feel that. He was like laying on, there was just a mattress on the floor and there's a black light over and he's just laying on the mattress. Oh, yeah. And like... I remember just like I could tell he was a skater and there wasn't a, usually like a lot of skaters at the parties and I had already been skating but I didn't see a lot of skaters at these parties so it definitely you know caught my attention and then I just went over and like laid down next to him on this mattress and we started talking and uh, I gave him my number and I think he had to leave to go like celebrate his friend's birthday with 
I think he was like leaving at whatever, six in the morning because it was his friend's birthday and he said he had to go drink like screwdrivers or something. At the end up. <laughs> six a.m. Monday morning. At oh the my end God. Up. So was this mid nineties or what this year was, was this? 1996. 96. That's yeah. about, I think we were like 95 was kind of the formidable years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right around that time though. Yeah, the like I remember at first I had met some kids from Berkeley who were going to parties and they had were the first ones to bring me to these parties and I wasn't doing any like I had never done any drugs, you know, mm-hmm. like ecstasy or mushrooms or anything. Yeah. And um and I remember that um but I was like open to it. Because, you know, my my parents are hippies, and I had talked to my dad about drugs, too. And I remember he gave me this talk, and he was just like, yeah, you should, you know, like, you're an adult. You should experiment, but just here's the drugs you never want to touch. He told me never to touch heroin. Mm. He told me not to do acid, and he told me not to do uh, cigarettes. Whew. Those are the three. Cigarettes is a good one. Yeah. Those and are I th- think heroin is a good one, too. <laughs> I th- I don't I don't know about the other <laughs> stuff, but uh, yeah, I'm so stoked I never smoked a cigarette. I look at people that like take their lunch breaks and smoke cigarettes. And I'm like, is this all just to get a break from life? Because why are you smoking? That's why Jerry started smoking cigarettes. Like to get a break from life, His right? Job to get it, if you're at the bar, I got I, I can get out of here. I'm gonna go get a smoke. If you're at work, I gotta get out of here. And then all of a sudden you're addicted and you're like, why the fuck? Every motherfucker I talk to is like, I don't know why I started. I'm so pissed at myself. Totally. And I'm like, yes. I know. My I parents <laughs> always were like, don't smoke cigarettes. I was like the biggest thing. Like, don't smoke cigarettes. Don't smoke cigarettes. Mm-hmm. But actually, more than get a break from life, Jerry actually started smoking cigarettes because to get a break from his job. He worked He worked at a, a restaurant as a dishwasher in Iowa. Mm. And you didn't get a break only the only the smokers got to have a break. See, you had to like. Yeah, he like started smoking to get a break at his job. Just How get those candy that? cigarettes used to the fake. <laughs> I'm sure he liked it too, but you know, it was like. So he's from Iowa. He's not. He was born and raised. Well, he was born in uh, Decatur, Illinois, and then his family moved at some point when he was young. They moved to Arizona, and then he. He lived in Mesa, Arizona for like a long time, all the way until I think he was like a freshman in high school. But they moved around a lot, even in Arizona. And then they moved to Iowa when he was like a sophomore in high school. He really, really got into skateboarding when he moved to Iowa in high school. That's where like his crew of friends that he moved out here with. Yeah, I, I think Dave, I don't know if you know Dave from Hightower, but he's he's I think from Des Moines, Iowa. Oh, got lots of lot lots of Midwesterners. Yeah, for sure. But how did yeah. so? Did you guys kind of start dating like after the f- initial after the rave? Yeah, like did <laughs> did he call you pretty soon after that, or he actually did, you... did not call me. Oh, he did not for call the record, <laughs> for the record, he didn't call me. Another party. So the next weekend, the very next weekend. There was another party, and I knew the people he had come to that other party with. He lived in San Francisco in the Mission, on Mission Street between 19th and 20th in an apartment with, like, 10 skateboarders, okay. all from Iowa. Uh, my friend Rob Lokard, mm-hmm. same thing. Rob. He they, yeah. he came out, and they were living with, like, 
20 dudes in one house. Yeah, once <laughs> once like one friend's out, they're like, come, you yeah, can yeah. stay. And I actually met Jerry like three months after he moved to San Francisco. Oh, wow. He had gotten here in July of 96, and then we met at that party like that October. He had just been there three months, 18. I was 22. He didn't call me, but I knew <laughs> the people he had been to that party with. So the next weekend, I hit up one of those people because I knew, and I was like, hey are you going to this other party? And that next party was at the, the cannabis club, had like a huge space on Market Street. I called those people. I was like, oh, are you going? You should go to this party. And they're like, yeah, we're going. And I said, oh, you should bring that kid, Jerry, <laughs> with you. <laughs> and they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll call him. So so they brought him. I was there. I made the I made my move. And the rest is history. It is. We did we literally like we hung out that night ah. at that party and then we just hung out and then like in the morning, you know, you're you know, you leave it like the next morning, yeah. like five AM or six AM or whatever. And he came with me when we left. Yeah, he came with us. We hung out like the next day and just talked and hung out like all day and then we just hung out every day after that for now it's been what 23 years <laughs> yeah that's awesome <laughs> so probably fast forwarding a little bit but um at some point you mm -hmm. you guys decided to open up a skate shop yeah was that a process or was that an instant let's do it and do it or did you talk about it for a while and like how did that whole process go right so jerry is like the idea person in our partnership. Okay. I handle all the nuts and bolts. Uh-huh. So I'm like the make it happen. He's like the ideas, the you know? Creative side. He's the creative, yes. Okay. I'm always shooting down his dreams. No, he has he we has ideas. Do that. He has great yeah. That's my job. Like, nah, I don't think let's like really think this through. Okay, how would this actually work? The skate shop was like a dream of his, you know? Sure. And he would talk about it. Like in the time we were together, he would kind of be like, oh, it'd be so great. It'd be so rad to have a skate shop. If I had a skate shop, it would be like this and this and this. Like he had it all laid out in his head of like how the shop would be, like what things we would carry, what brands, like what just what the vibe would be like, everything. Just yeah. had it all laid out. And I was kind of just like, you know, in my final year of college, like no idea what I'm going to do after that. I was waitressing at Jack London Square and I was studying rhetoric, you know, I was mm. like, I don't know. And I was out of money. Like I don't have money for grad school. And I was so sick of school. Yeah. You know, I was like, Cal is hard. <laughs> I, bet. I felt like the dumbest person in the room at that school most of the time. Mm. I did okay, but I had worked really hard. We lived in Oakland. He had moved in with me. He moved in with me, like, right away. Like, within four months of meeting each other, we lived together. Because okay. I had my own apartment in yeah. Oakland. Beats and 10 dudes. he was paying $50 a month to, like, have a sleeping bag in the front room. Like, oh. when you walk in the door of the apartment, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's, like, the front hall. He paid $50 a month to have a sleeping bag right there in the front hall. And then his friend, Jared who he moved out here with to San Francisco, Jared Scholl. Some people might remember Jared. He's like a great friend of ours. He lives in Ohio now, I think. Hi, Jared, if you're listening. Shout out. <laughs> we miss you. He was our first team writer of the shop. Oh, sick. 
it was just like a total dream and I was just listening to him like okay we live in Oakland there actually was a skate shop called Surf Berkeley that was in North Berkeley kind of near where the skate park is now like really near where REI is it was a totally legit skate shop but it it had started as a surf shop that's why it was called Surf Berkeley uh-huh. and the owner was a surfer not a skateboarder and I believe they had started selling skateboards because they weren't selling very many surfboards. And we felt like we could do a better job. Yeah. It was cool. Like they were doing things and they had like a lot of locals (laughs) and I don't at all, like it was an independent shop, but I felt like the East Bay could really use like a really focused skateboard shop. Yeah, it's kind of run by skateboarders. It's kind of <laughs> and owned by skateboarders. Crazy that they didn't have that. Yeah, there was so the only the only places that sold skateboards at that time. So this was you know when we were really starting to think about it, it was ninety seven, and it was Surf Berkeley, and then there was this store on Telegraph Avenue called Wicked, and they it was like I know Wicked. Okay, you remember Wicked? So they had like a there bong was one shop. Up City. <laughs> <laughs> my <Yeah>. friend owned <laughs> it. Oh my <laughs> wow not really my friends but, but i knew yeah. the guys that owned it because okay. i made a skate video for them what <laughs> yep that's so crazy yeah so the wicked on telegraph had like the bong shop uh-huh. upstairs they both did yeah. it was like a head yes. shop that sold skateboards but then they had a little skate shop the berkeley one had like a little skate shop in the corner but then yeah. it was like like behind beads or something. Yeah, and then it had like fancy clothes. And the skate shop, everything was priced as if it was like regular retail. So decks were like $70. Oh, I didn't. So they weren't selling much in skateboards, I imagine. And we didn't take it very seriously as a skate shop. So even though we decided to open our shop like a block from them, we were just like, well, does that even count as a skate shop? Yeah, I don't, I don't think people thought even that it was really either right it was problematic when we first opened some accounts didn't open us right away because, because of wicked because oh. they sold to wicked like uh-huh. there were brands that sold so boards you guys to them. couldn't buy bongs or uh <laughs> anything like no that. skate skateboard companies wouldn't oh, sell really? us at first let's put them on blast who were they no, i'm not I'm telling <laughs> i'm not gonna tell i'm not gonna tell because we still work with some of those brands yeah. so we had specific brands we really had to have in the store and some of those brands said i'm sorry we sell to a store that's like a block from the store you're this location you're talking about which is reasonable you know and that's kind of skate shop etiquette totally yeah my question is how did you get the space that's the original space that you're in right um so the space where we're in is not the the original space we still have we have the lease on it still it's on the very very corner of dwight and telegraph where we used to have this art our art window every uh that's the original space and and um, it's still, we use that space as an office and also for our web photos and our like, photo studio okay. and all that. That's just like a tiny space on the corner. So that space was our original space. And we had it there for like the first year and a half, but we grew out of that space very quickly. And so then we got the lease on the space where the store is now. And we put all the shoes and the clothing in the space where the store is now. 2506 telegraph yeah we put all the shoes and the clothes over there and we kept the skateboards in the original space 2500 uh-huh. and it was like that from like 2000 to 2010 so for 10 years we had the board like a board shop with just skateboards no clothing or shoes or anything it was just right. like a, just a skateboard shop and then we had 
the clothing and the shoes and everything else in a separate space, two doors over. That's amazing. <clears throat> it was really cool. But for those that don't know Oakland yeah. or Berkeley, it's on pretty much the main road across the street, like a block or two away from Amoeba, yep. which is, and there's pizza. It's a very desirable place to be. If, if I'm going to Berkeley, I'm going to Amoeba. And then I go to it's fucking uh, yeah. a slice and mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah. and like the the college is right there. Like, it's just crazy to me that if I'm thinking about like I'm gonna try to open it, like how do I get that location? That's amazing. Okay, so I had read this book <clears throat> when we were starting. Uh, the brains comes in. We had started thinking, yeah, like before my final semester at Cal. Right before that, Jerry and I took this five week trip backpacking trip around Europe. I, we had like both worked our asses off. I had taken the semester off right before that, which was going to be my final semester, uh-huh. like the beginning of 1997. But I really just wanted to go on this trip over the next summer. So I took that semester off and just worked my ass off. And Jerry worked like two minimum wage jobs in the city, even though we were living in Oakland. He would like take the BART at 5 a.m. and come to the city and work near Fisherman's Wharf at a coffee shop for like a full shift and then go straight to Jamba Juice in like the, the financial district and work there for like a full shift wow. and then come back to Oakland. But you found, you found or you read a book? So, okay, he had brought up, like been talking about the skate shop idea, like before we even went on that trip, like during that time, the beginning of 97, when we were both just working all the time, it was like, oh, I would be so sick to have a skate shop, blah, blah, blah. I was like, let's talk more about this when we get back from our trip. Like, let's do that. We're focused on this right now. Let's do this trip. And then when we get back, let's talk about this skate shop idea. So when we got back from the trip, then I was like, okay, give me all your ideas. Like, I and I got a book called um, How to Open, something like Idiot's Guide to Opening Your Own Business. You know the orange books, Idiot's no Guide? Way. Yeah, How to, how oh, to yeah. Start a business, business for Dummies. Yeah, I think it was the Idiot's Guide to Starting Your Own Business. Wow. It's like the orange one. And in that book, it says, location, location, location for retail. Absolutely. <laughs> Say that's like the first. Yeah. That's like the first thing it says. So I was like, mm, okay, I go to Cal. I'm very familiar with Telegraph. And in fact, like when I first started skating that summer of, I guess it was 1996 and I was skating all the time. And the way I would skate, the way I learned how to skateboard is that I would just go from my house, which was like two miles down Telegraph, and I would skate up Telegraph to like Telegraph Avenue proper, like where the shop is. Uh And I'd hang out at Wicked because I had a friend that worked there at the (laughs) skate shop. (laughs) But I would just like on days where I didn't work or didn't have school, you know, which over a, a summer time was like a lot of days. I had a lot of free time on my hands and I would just ride my skateboard up there. It was like two miles, slightly uphill. And I would at first remember I was just like eating shit so much and my hands were all torn up. But I was just like, I'm super determined to do this. Like I want to skate. And yeah. <laughs> like, I have to, have to just keep going. Yep. So anyway, I was very familiar with Telegraph Avenue. And I was like, this is where skaters would want to hang out it's centrally located for oakland and berkeley it's like near berkeley high and middle school it's just like this is where you want to hang out if you're a skater for sure like, buffalo this is where exchange buffalo, amoeba, amoeba grape food and but that was before amoeba had a san francisco store and an la right. store it was like 
man, when Amoeba opened San Francisco, we were so sad because people used to come from the city all the time to go yeah. to Amoeba. I still Berkeley. go there, though, because I feel like a lot of times San Francisco's picked through more. Oh, got it. I, I don't know. It's hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Berkeley feels picked through. Right. But definitely they don't have the same selection. So sometimes I, I hit both or I'm like oh, nice. tired of hate and i go over there and i know that you're at the vert ramp too so you're probably you're nearby yeah i heard my point being and your point being is that the location on telegraph is really it's pretty much like the lux and sf being on market it's changed it's changed but not changed at the same time i mean telegraph avenue to me people like wow it's changed so much i'm like i don't know i've been here every day for 24 like since i moved here so like going on 25 years i've been on telegraph this part of telegraph almost every day at least a little bit of the day and i'm like it doesn't since it's been gradual i'm like doesn't feel that different to me it still feels telegraph ish you know so do you think that you guys got in at a time that it was just a lot easier supply and demand finances and all that stuff like or did you get lucky or did you have an in or all of that. All, every, or was there all like, of the above. There's an opening, and I was just like walking by, and I met the guy and said, yeah, right. "Let us." Yeah, right. Like, how did it work? It was all intentional. Nothing. Nothing. Just. I mean, all of that. All of that. Um, right timing. Easier. T- different time. Luck. Um, opportunity. Um, everything. So. Were you guys kind of eyeing the area, and every time a place would um, pop for open, you'd check it out, or? The way we actually was this ended the up first one. Yeah, it was actually we really wanted Telegraph, but we didn't think we could afford it. Like our budget <laughs> was very small, uh-huh. and um, really wanted to be on Telegraph, but it was like there's no way, there's there's no way. And the day I was going to check out a space on Shattuck, which is right right, right. near um, like Arnell Pizza in Berkeley on the Berkeley Bart station over there i was driving up telegraph to get over to the space i was going to check out on shattuck and i saw a four lease sign in our space that's on the corner and it's like a tiny 500 square foot space and i think like the amount of rent i thought i had thought we could afford was like something like 1250 a month or something Uh i figured i'm like okay if we sell you know, like one thing a day, yeah. we could pay this rent or whatever. Yeah. It was just like I had done some calculations and like, okay, this is what I think we can afford. And the rent they were asking was like a little less even than what I had thought we could afford. Oh. Maybe I said 1500 or something and it was like 1250 I don't remember exactly, but I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like we have to have that space. So I called the landlord and was like, we want the space and he was very skeptical because here's you know jerry was 20 at the time i was 24 i'm like he's like well have you ever run a business before no like no we don't have any idea what we're doing we don't have barely any money but we want your space i didn't tell him that i was just like um I was like, here's our, bu- I'd written a business plan because I had followed the idiot's guide and I I'd written, say. I'd written a biz. I wrote before I even met with him, I'd written a business plan. I'd fe- spent my last semester at Cal, like working really hard at school, but also working really hard on writing this business plan, putting all of Jerry's ideas like into a business plan and, and begging people for money. By the time we met with, a la- I met with the landlord, like I had the business plan. And, um, so the next thing we did, which was actually Kent from FTC, I was friends with him because, oh. uh, when I was in snowboarding, SFO was like the place I always went. That was my snowboard shop that I went. And uh, 
I met, got to be friends with Kent through that. And then when I started skating, I would always go to FTC. Like, that was my shop. Yeah. Kent actually, like, sat down with me and Jerry. Like, we went out to dinner, and he gave us some advice. And one of the pieces of advice he gave us was he said, one thing you really should do is you should go to that location where it is and just, like, hang out in front of it for a day or a bunch of days and, you know, like, see who walks by maybe take notes like and so interesting for the usually get a better idea like yeah just what kind of foot traffic it is yeah everything and, uh -huh. so we did that we went to the little triangle that's right across and we just sat there for like days and we took statistics you know like everybody that walked by we how many people walked by wearing skate shoes how many people walked by wearing something that would look like they could buy from our store that we were going to have or like and so we and we talked to like anybody who's skater hey would you want a skate shop right here and we had people sign a petition and oh. we like took and i made graphs like to show the landlord this how many people like 200 people walked by between noon and five wearing things that we're going to be selling you know like okay. i fully like so i had the business plan and i made the graphs and I made, took all the information that we gathered and the petition from all this, everybody who said, signed our thing that said, do you want a skate shop right here? And uh -huh. we got a lot of signatures, like almost everybody yeah. signed it, you know, we, I don't even remember. And but we, you, did you already kind of have a shoe in so that like there was no fear of somebody else getting it? Be no, there was another guy who wanted the space too, who already had, um, he owned a store called Katmandu and it was actually, Katmandu is still there actually, it's next, it's not there. It's next to our store, Bows and Arrows. It's across the street. Uh -huh. um, but Kathmandu at the time was on Dwight. It was like right across the street, that the other way on Dwight and from that space. And he had like a super teensy spot and he wanted that spot because it was a little bigger than his current. And so he was also trying to, and he had established business already. So the landlord really liked us, oh. but he was a little skeptical. Yeah. And he wanted, he was like, you know, it makes more sense for me to give it to the established business person. But you guys, like, he's, you kind of remind me of myself when I was young and just starting out in business. Sick. You know what I mean? Like, uh -huh. you've worked really hard and you're, it looks, seems like it will work. It seems like yeah. a good idea. It's a good story. So um, he gave us the spot. Five-year lease. And were you and Jerry still just dating or were you married by, at that time? No, we were, like, been together like a year and a half. See, the thing is, is like, the secret to making a business work isn't not all the things I thought it was. It never crossed my mind. Like the hardest thing about making a, a retail store work is getting people to buy what you're selling. Uh, <laughs> That's like all the other stuff is like you just have to do it. It's right. But it's. You and just so is that sell. more on the creative or the brains? I think that part is more on the creative. That's like, like what you're going to sell needs to be kind of creatively cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it needs to be what people want to buy. Uh -huh. And but Jerry you, is really, he's does, he is doing all the buying. You know, he really, it was his all ideas, like what we're going to bring in and everything. And it was like the design of the store, all the brands was his. That was all him. Uh-huh. So when you first opened it, how long was it till you moved to the bigger location? Um, that was like a year and a half. Oh, so you guys did pretty good right out of the gates. We did. We did well right out of the gates. Better, much better than we thought we would. Kind of like weighed out all the different financial possibilities. Uh -huh. And I was like, okay, 
we can do this. And I kept my waitressing job. Jerry worked at the shop seven days a week. And then I kept my waitressing job, which was a good job. It was at um, Scott's Seafood at Jack London Square. So it was like pretty good, you know, for waitressing, mm-hmm. like fine dining. I paid much, much less expensive to live in Oakland at the time. For sure. And I paid all of our rent and most of our living expenses through the waitressing job. And then I would work at the shop any days I wasn't working at at the, my other job. He quit his Virgin Megastore coffee shop job to work at our shop. We were also kind of like, we didn't have to like quit great careers, like take this huge risk. It was like, I can keep my waitressing job and you have to quit your minimum wage coffee shop job. Right. You know, it wasn't like a big risk. Yeah. And you're young enough. And you're so young. Yeah. You're. But at that time, there's, I mean, fuck, you sound like an old person, but it's like, it was easier back then to- Much easier. Like, right now, it's pretty crazy. Well, the internet really changed things a lot. Mm -hmm. Just to comedian, now, like, every internet site is like a store. Yeah. And that's all available at everybody's fingertips at any time. So now, instead of competing with, oh, what other shop is in this area? You're like, we're, any store that opens anywhere is now competing with every- internet store right that makes it very difficult but as a kid growing up i've worked in skate shops mm-hmm. and i've skated pretty much like since i was like who knows i was very young i've skated most of my life skateboarding is one of those things that like the touching of it the feel of it all that stuff it's to me it's kind of like buying clothes that fit properly on mm-hmm. online It's not my favorite thing to do. It's very risky. If you go in and you try it on, it feet. Okay, this is the shit. Actually, I want 10 pairs of these pants because I've been looking for a pair that fits this good. Same thing with a skateboard. And like, I don't know. There's just having the camaraderie of the skate shop where you go in and watch videos and get hyped together. And then having like the older influence of the guy that knows everything and tells you like, that guy's weak, look at his style, or here's how you grip a board, bro, or any of that stuff. Like, that is, you can't replace that. No. And so that stuff is the thing that, like, was it worth saving $5 to get that piece of shit board that everyone calls you a kook about? Because if you went to our shop, we wouldn't have sold you that. Totally. You know? I know, the shop, it's like if you go to a good skate shop, you can buy anything in there, and it's going to be cool. <laughs> yeah. You get, You don't even have to think about like oh am i am i gonna get the right border he's like you could get any board from our shop and it's gonna be cool and another thing kids is you got it easy because when i was working at the skate shop we could actually be assholes to you and vibe you and be dicks but now with the internet people have to be nice when they're selling stuff so they actually will put up with all your questions and uh you guys probably have had some crazy stuff i was wondering if you anything like if there's any bizarre, just annoying or something that sticks out to you as like, man, this one customer or whatever, like a, a moment like that. Not like a single customer, but I mean, being on Telegraph Avenue right. is pretty exciting. Sure. On the daily, on a daily basis, you know, you see lots of interesting characters every day <laughs> on Telegraph. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one story Jerry reminded me of was that, you know, if I get the story wrong, Sorry, Jerry, because it's a second because I wasn't there that day. But I guess this guy came in and 
had some mental health issues, but he had wanted like a trash deck, you know, and maybe he was told no about that. I don't remember exactly what the situation was, but he came back overnight and smeared shit all over our front, our door, our door handle. Like Jerry said, he Jackson Pollocked our front of our store, just Whoa. like with <laughs> all over our front gate. Huh. Uh, that happened. One time. Is it true that you have a 30-minute lurk limit? <laughs> What's funny is that sign, <laughs> Sean Stockton made that sign like 20 years ago. I don't know how it's, it's like stood the test of time. It's just written on cardboard, but it's just always been there. <laughs> really, it's like our version of like we reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. You know, I feel like it's the shop is one part community center one part retail store it's like half and half you know it just yeah i love that it's like a dry day bar or something Mm. it is like a cheers or something but honestly i've loved my job since we opened the shop that's awesome 22 years in and i'm like i love it is there anything in particular you guys do to kind of compete with um amazon and the internet and the online stuff i mean all the things that you said earlier about feeling the board touching the board and making sure you know the shapes vary you can't tell the shape of a board from a picture on the internet mm-hmm. you can get in with a skateboard that's, you don't like how it feels at all and right. your feet so being able to stand on a board to feel it it's so important and then all of that like You're not going to learn how to set your own board up on the internet, you know? You're not going to make any friends on the internet. Mm -hmm. You're not going to learn about a community event on the internet. You're not going to, like, run into a pro skateboarder who's just hanging out at the shop on the internet, you know? Mm -hmm. You're not nothing yeah it's the lifestyle that like all of it feeds into right it's the whole thing and the the skate shop is like i feel like it's a vital part of the whole lifestyle and the whole community and what we do to compete is we try not to focus on competing with the internet We focus on building our scene. You know, our board wall is changing daily. So any pictures we took today is going to look, going to look different by, we don't have the same board in even long enough to take a picture of it and put it on the internet. We get, we get like one of each graphic and then next week we'll have different graphics. But yeah, our focus really is building the community uh, events. We're going to do the best, have the best skate shop we can and have like the best things in it that we think are the coolest and the best brands, the coolest brands that we like. And we're going to support, make it a place that people want to be and something that people want to be part of. And we feel like that will translate into a healthy business and it's worked so far. Keep it exciting and, and also just support. There's a lot of people in the East Bay doing really great things in skateboarding and we all work together like Sean O'Laughlin who I know you're friends with and mm. running the vert ramp up there in Berkeley Skate Park and he's starting a new organization called Skate XP that is going to support skateboarders finding jobs and mental health issues and things like that yeah. um, so super cool and he's really key the East Bay skate scene you know and um, K-Dub, who runs Town Park, 
Um, then there's like a whole Alameda Park crew. Those guys are do a lot. Um, Josh at Treasure Island. Yeah, and, uh, for sure. Unity crew. And then the Skate Like a Girl, Kim and Ashley, and they're doing a lot in the East Bay. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, we've worked together for a while. And so that helps them bring things in the East Bay skate scene because of our partnership. Mm. So we've been having, like, hangouts at the shop for, I feel like it's been a couple of years now. Okay. Where people can just come hang out and meet other. I mean, everybody's welcome. Guys are welcome, too. I've actually been really trying to encourage, like, integration of just skaters that hang out at the shop to also come hang out when there's, like, a skate like a girl hangout because I don't want to create this feeling like the women and, you know, all the people who are coming to those events are only feel like they feel comfortable walking in the shop if there's like a skate like a girl hang you know event right you are welcome so i want when we have a skate like a girl hangout i really encourage it's like all our team guys and just all you know friends that hang out of the shop all the time please come and meet the girls too and yeah and yeah so that everybody can we can all be one great happy big happy family that is my goal (laughs) sounds good it's really cool to see like i'm sure you've seen a lot more girls coming in as um, customers and and skaters and so many more that's i know it's it's interesting how you know like i've been a female skate shop owner one of the very few for Uh 22 years and it's like oh all of a sudden it it's relevant cool Uh (laughs) that's great like you know um nobody cared before but that was fine with me too i never like when we first opened the shop our crew of friends was like pretty much all mostly all dudes you know yeah and that was fine with me early years of the shop when it was just like it was me and jerry were doing the shop but also like all of our crew of friends it started off with just like the iowa crew and then shortly after we opened the shop there were a lot of skateboarders actually living in the east bay kind of just like they weren't all, didn't all know each other, it seemed like. There's just mm-hmm. like little pockets of houses mm-hmm. full of skaters. And pretty much right after we opened the shop, like the skaters from these face started rolling in, you know? And so we met so many new people. There was like Atlanta crew and there's like Florida. And yeah. there was, it was like every, nobody was from here. I always love that too. I never want... Um, the shop to become like this like locals only vibe you know uh, mm. because over the years after now it's so many people in the east bay skate scene are from grew up coming to the shop and so it's created this like really strong local yeah. scene but then also i just it's always important to me like hey if people move from somewhere else the skateboarder moves into town like welcome them in welcome sure. them in like let's not make this let's always make it feel like people from other areas are welcome to come and be part of this and not feel like you know it's not like hold anything yeah sacred like oh you have to have there's initiation (laughs) i'm like me and jerry aren't from there so (laughs) you know i know yeah (laughs) it's like we didn't grow up in berkeley or oakland and um i love what people from other areas bring to the scene you know just like different Mm -hmm. cultural values and ideas and 
um, it's great. It just makes it dynamic and fun and keeps it interesting for sure. So I I really, really love that about it. Well, I got a um, phone call here and it happens to be from uh, the executive director of the show who's also my fiance. Hi, Dandy. This is Cheryl. I was born and raised in the East Bay. Big fan. Wondering how you came up with the 510 logo for the shop. And also, can you provide some selling points so Greg would be willing to move to the East Bay at some point? Thanks. <laughs> where do you guys live now? Right by the where the Giants play. We have better weather. That's true. There's lots of things in, over there now. <laughs> she gets so mad at me. I always tell her, you know, they only have to pay the toll going one direction. She doesn't like that one. <laughs> I want to say that I love San Francisco. You know, like. And I want to say this is just a joke. I the of east. Course. I got tons of friends in of the course. East Bay, and I like it over there. I know, but I am a San Francisco homer. I love it over here a lot. So yeah, one of the reasons that people love Oakland is because it's proximity to San Francisco. Yeah. But the East Bay, it's so great now that there's, you don't have to go to the city really anymore. And it's good because it takes forever to get here now. It's like almost never not incredibly crowded Mm -hmm. to get here. And it almost always takes forever to get here or to get back. And then BART, you know, still ends at midnight, which is completely ridiculous. And so now Oakland has so much to offer. There's tons of great food and restaurants. And I don't even go clothes shopping in the city anymore. There's like my favorite stores are in the East Bay. Cool. Um, And then what was the other question she asked? The 510 logo. Oh, 510 logo. Benny Gold designed that. He did. Yeah. And that wasn't our original logo, but that's the one that we've stuck with and we really like so um yeah well that was before he uh did his shop and stuff or it was before he did his shop but after huff oh okay benny uh if you want to do a logo for me just hit me up dog (laughs) (laughs) do you think that more women skaters uh more female skaters have you noticed more female merchandise see jerry always says this i mean just what we so from what we've observed Uh the way women shop and the way versus the way men shop is that women are more looking for like a style and men are more brand oriented okay i we've observed just from observation like i'm sure there's girls out there probably listening this like that's not true that's not true for me and this is a generalization of course it's not true for everybody right but as far as what we've observed in retail is overall the way Girls shop, especially in in the demographic for a skate shop, is yeah they're they're not they're looking more for a certain look, less like a brand. So and you can get that look so, for a lot cheaper. Okay, at like anywhere, and yeah. that's one thing. Another thing is I think girl skaters, especially like don't aren't like looking for girls skater clothes. I don't know. Earlier, you'd asked me a question about, like, how do you stay or compete against the online retailers or whatever? Another thing we do to stay different from, like, mall stores or online retailers is to have not have all the same product that they have. Of course, we have some of the same things that 
you can get anywhere. But then, you know, we try to focus on brands that aren't maybe selling to every anywhere, every right. Amazon and the rest the malls, all the yeah. mall chains. And we try to not like we want somebody to if they walk into our store for them to be for it to be really obvious that this is different than what the store you walked into at the mall. Yeah. We have different things. It, we do not carry the same product. Uh huh. It's totally different. Are we allowed to talk about some of the brands that are moving best in your shop? Like, is FA like one of the number one boards or like? Yeah, FA does really well. I always wonder, like, are kids into it for the graphic? Are they into it for like you said? I don't care what it is as long as it's FA or as long as it's welcome or whatever. Real. Sorry, Theba real real all day like is it like that like do kids come in and they're like i don't care where's your fa where's your real and they're brand specific or are they they like i like the one with the mouse getting eaten by a dragon or like you know um yeah i mean a lot of all of that because we have uh, lots of different types of customers you know what i mean it's Mm. like not just like there's a lot of people coming and getting first time boards and they don't really know they're not reading the mag in there yet is and it true that most of board sales is a one is a first time buyer i read I that statistic years ago i, I don't, don't keep tabs on that so i couldn't tell you but, but just how it feels um no i okay. wouldn't say that i'd say most boards are repeat uh-huh. customers because those are people who are actually going through boards very regularly, you know? So, um, of course the store does financially well when we're getting that. If we get, if we outsell our skateboards with first time, with one time buyers, then with, you know, repeat buyers, like we'd be doing really, really well. But Mm. no, I think the, we are very supported. We have a great community and, um, thank you. I want to say, I want to just shout out to the whole East Bay skate scene for mm. supporting us. Um, there, we have like, we have the best. I'm sorry, but we have the best. We got best Jim Thibault, we, we got out. Max Schaff, we got out. Ron Allen, shout we out. got good. Our Life, we shout got out. Uh, we have like, so we got much. A lot of. There's a lot. You know, we also want to support local. We really push local things. Deluxe so, and deluxe, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Thanks, Jim. Like, Deluxe has been key partner, I'd say, from the beginning. Actually, when we first opened the shop, going way back to that, the beginning, when we very first opened the shop, Jerry's roommates from the people from Iowa who he lived with were the whole warehouse crew at Deluxe. No way. So, yeah. like. Oh. And did you guys start the um, People's Park thing or was that already mm-hmm. going? And then there's like, the, not the People's Park, but I mean the demo right. where you close mm-hmm. the street down. It's like an annual, right? Um, or maybe twice a year. Or? No. <laughs> Keep guessing. Uh, one every five years. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to five at least. So that actually started as the, that was the Wicked demo. Oh, it was. Yeah, like the first, before me and Jerry met or anything, like early. Well, they closed the street down. That demo was done by the by Wicked like the first year the first year I lived here oh. I remember because like a friend of mine who's a skater was like well, I'm going there there's the Wicked demos they close the street and there's ramps and stuff and yeah so and then they did it for like 
I don't know how long they had done it, if they had done it before, but I was only aware of that one year. Okay. Then it got taken over, like after we opened, it was taken over by, there was an organization called Friends of a Berkeley Skate, Friends of the Berkeley Skate Park. And mm. it was an organization to like get a park built in Berkeley. Oh. Yeah. And Nate French, this guy, Nate French. Hi, Nate, if you're listening. Anyway, he, he is. worked for the city of Berkeley and he was a skater and he was like really passionate about getting a park built in Berkeley. And he had started, I guess he had started this nonprofit to like, and he took that over. And so then it was the FBSP, Friends of Berkeley Skate Park demo. Okay. I guess maybe he did it for one or two years and then he came to us and said, I'm not going to do this anymore. Maybe it was after the park got built. Okay. Do you guys want to take this over? Do you want to do it? And we are like, um, yeah, we want to keep it going. So we did it for like, I don't know how many years, a few years, maybe four years in a row, three or four or five years in a row. And it was pretty gnarly. Like we didn't have any sponsor or anything like it was just all people friends jerry a lot of hours him building uh-huh. ramps like killing himself for months you know uh-huh. um every year he'd be like i'm not ever doing that again <laughs> <laughs> like, that sucked. and then you know people would complain about the setup like suck. Like he's like fuck off i just spent three months of my life like building you didn't do anything yeah you're just complaining about That's... you know i don't remember how many years we did it but the final year we did it back then in the early 2000s it just got super gnarly high tower played oh. it was it was always like in uh at the same day as the um the people's park anniversary festival okay. so it like was in concert with that right. you know and so that was crazy the park would be all full of naked people and <laughs> like bands playing on the stage and we'd have the thing and who knows if there was even insurance we didn't know like we didn't even think that didn't even cross our minds to like get insurance yeah we didn't even know we didn't know what was going on right. We didn't do any of that part of it, like get the city. We didn't talk to us. I never talked to the city. We just like built the ramps and brought them out there. And Sean O'Loughlin was key. He helped us a lot. He like designed, you know, designed a lot of the ramps and did a lot of the building. Yeah, a lot of people. Everybody. I can't name everybody, but so many people came out and helped. And that's how it got done. That final year, like two ambulances came. While Hightower was playing, oh. shit just went, started going crazy because there, everybody's getting so excited and, uh, and like it just it started going nuts. And like a dude fell off the back of one of the quarter pipes, which we had built these huge quarter pipes, but they barely had a deck and they had no like railing at all. It was oh, like man. you know, it, I yeah, think yeah. the quarter pipes went up and then there was like a, a <laughs> foot and a half deck. And then it, and then it, and it was like a downhill slope, and nobody was supposed to be on top of the quarter pipe. So it's just supposed to go up and come yeah. back. But and then there was like a, you know, a coping railing that would go th- across between the two quarter pipes. Uh, <laughs> it was just so gnarly. Yeah. And yeah, like a, one of the street kids from Telegraph who was probably drunk, he like got gotten up on the top of one of those quarter pipes and he fell off the back of it and like landed on his head and we didn't know if he died or what we didn't know what happened to him but it was really scary and horrible and we never even heard i heard through the grapevine like he had been he was okay but it was like we didn't really know what had happened and then another ambulance had to come like somebody dislocated their arm or shoulder or something but it was that we were the city was pretty over it after that yeah 
and we were over it it was (laughs) like that was just like too much you know and then we didn't do it for until two years ago Uh, okay yeah we didn't do it for like what 2004 to 2018 i don't know 12 years 14 years or something i didn't didn't, know it was that long yeah we did not have it and then our 20 year anniversary i was just kind of like i'd gone to gone to atlas's 10 year anniversary and i was like wow like their party was amazing and i was like this is like god we we got to do something cool for our 20 year you know like these guys really stepped it up and (laughs) i was like this is so cool like we need to do something cool too you know so so it's like nice getting inspired i was getting pretty inspired i still wasn't sure i was kind of like trying different things and it wasn't nothing was really clicking i was like okay I think we should do bring back our demo, you know, our big yeah. demo. That's what that's what I'm going to do. And but I did it right that time, the 20 year anniversary. Like I got all the cities, all the permits from the city. Insurance. Like I got the insurance. I got like I, an adult style. You know what I mean? Right. Like I did it real and it was super awesome. And I it didn't feel gnarly sketchy or anything. And then we did it again last summer and we're planning to do it again this summer. So, oh, cool. um, yeah, we want it to be an annual thing. Hold on one second. Let's yeah. take a break. Okay. I got to be right back. Okay. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. What's up, everybody? Uh, we're doing a product patrol. I'm talking Schmidt today. It's uh, the Bearings, Roller Bearings, Jason Jesse's company that uh, Schmitty hooked me up with on uh, episode 59. He told me to put them on. I've been riding the last couple days. They're as smooth as grease. And I'm having a good time. If I was us, don't put the spacers in. And I think I've made a couple mistakes in the past putting the spacers in. I believe they're made for a, a wider, uh, maybe like a vert or a wider wheel. They're not made for what we're using on the streets. And I think it's been throwing me off. Uh, other than that, insane titanium dopes. Uh, before, I was rocking the reds. And I feel like in the last 15 years, maybe the quality's gone down a little bit. But still, that's all I rock is the reds. So uh, I think I've upgraded to titanium rollers. I think you should too. Peace. I was thinking that right now would be a good moment to speak to the people listening. Yes. Because I know a lot of people out there and a lot of them are into this thing called CBD. And I know that some guys like david reyes and these skaters have cbd sponsors Mm -hmm. what i would like for them to do is talk to these companies and say talking schmidt needs a cbd sponsor i could have the cbd waiting for the guest the guest sits down they take the cbd they're relaxed and we have the most brilliant conversation and i mention of course like NorCal CBD or whatever your company yeah. is. And yes. it's like, holy shit, look at the difference that the person was all nervous and then there. And I think it would be great for everybody involved. I think so too. I think you should have snacks though here. Ooh. I did want to say that, I mean, everybody comes to skateboarding in their own, finds it in, you know, one way. Everybody who's in skateboarding stays with it for a long time and just becomes who they are, like comes to it for 
whatever reason, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, like it really shaped my life so much. The friends I met through skateboarding were like my first really real crew of friends that I just felt like I could fully express myself. I didn't have to compete with them. I just felt like so accepted. And like once I found skateboarding and found my crew of friends in skateboarding, it was like I was in it for life, you know? Right. No, skateboarding's the best. I was just talking to somebody when I was in Arizona and uh, it's like they went away from it for a while. And then they came back and it was like, it was like an old friend that I hadn't seen in years, but we didn't skip a beat. Um, You mentioned, I thought it was interesting, you mentioned Atlas and their 10-year anniversary Mm -hmm. as an inspiration to you. Yeah. Like, is there skate shop beef? Like, oh, (laughs) fuck that skate, you know what I mean? Like, No, not really. Because I see you at other skate shop things supporting their vibe and vice versa. I see... You know, so it's kind of like the community of skateboarding. And is it partly because, like, you're in San Mateo or in Berkeley or? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it is we're not direct competitors. Mm-hmm. And it's changed, like I said, it's changed so much. Our biggest, all of our biggest competition is the internet. So, right. and big chains. Yeah. And we've we've all become pretty close over the last bunch of years because, um, I, I mean, kind of ironically, these brands these shoe brands who have money they bring us all together on these trips mm-hmm. and we all just hang out and party oh, for right. days at some yeah Tom okay. brown's yacht <laughs> <laughs> I never that. um yeah we really get inspiration from each other and talk shop a lot and just get ideas and find out what's going on in other parts of the country and figure out how to deal with things and it's cool and also um, help each other if there's some you know something we perceive to be a problem that's not good for indie skate shops we can we all kind of talk to each other and band together like hey we all don't think this is cool what's going on or whatever so it's helpful that's cool yeah i wanted to also say something alex talked about last week what mm. really um resonated with me too because she had talked about how or when she was on i guess it won't be last week when you play this it'll be like have been three weeks, weeks ago or two weeks ago. By the way, today's St. Patrick's Day, so uh, Aaron Gobra. <laughs> Alex had said, you know, when she became a mom, she had went through this whole, like, identity crisis or whatever. I don't know if she said it was identity. Sorry, put words in your mouth. Like, having, becoming a mom. To, I was very lucky to have the shop and be able to stay connected to, sk- really sk- to stay connected to skateboarding through the shop. I have two kids, so me, Jerry and I have two kids together. They're also his, uh-huh. both of ours, yeah. together. That was a couple. <laughs> we also run a family together, <laughs> business and a family. Yeah, how is that dynamic? <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's, like, actually worked out really well because we already know how to work together, uh-huh. you know? And so running a family together is kind of similar to running a business. Do like, you keep everything separate, though? Like, if there's... I don't know, something at the home, it doesn't go to business or vice versa. Oh, no, it all goes everywhere. Everywhere. Everything yeah. goes it's everywhere. It's all, everything's everywhere. Yeah. There's no. Sloppy Joe. <laughs> we're constantly talking about work. Okay. 
we can't we talk about work a lot but mm -hmm. we're both super excited about it we're always like running you know bouncing ideas off each other and then um yeah a lot of times he's bouncing ideas and i'm saying mm, i don't think we can do that or <laughs> or so you're yes the, you're the bad guy <laughs> or yes let's do that <laughs> yeah i would say more so i'm more so He's really diplomatic. He has to say no a lot like to other people bringing him ideas. Hey, can we do this with you guys or whatever? Like right. he works with all the reps mostly, you know, and he's more talking to the brands a lot. And yeah. so and he has to pick everything. What about in parenting? Um, who has to say no more often, he or you? I think we're really on the same page as far so far. Oh as far as parenting it's not so there's like no a, favorite like oh mommy will let me eat the ice cream daddy won't or any of that stuff no i would say he's maybe more permissive as far as that goes potentially but then he's like also he's really good at time management mm. you know he's good at keeping everything on track which is interesting since i'm the one who handles like the financial organization mm -hmm. <laughs> like he figures out how to earn the money and then i manage it okay how important is uh social media the instagram and stuff for your business it's so much it's huge huh it's so much yeah i mean you know we used to you guys have a strong presence like is there somebody so. in charge of it or do you guys do it or do you have uh, i do a lot i i do well every like everybody on our staff who has instagram does does it we all do it uh -huh. um everybody ha you know has access to it and is encouraged to like do it all the time for the 5101 for 510 oh so it's not one person yeah oh. sailor teddy and um gabe and james everybody contributes oh, okay. to instagram i do most of like the responding to dms and that kind of thing uh -huh. that's mostly me well the next section is it could be its own segment i'm i'm guessing oh. but we have to talk about nike travis scott the dunk sensation right this whole thing is something that i'm aware of but not super understanding of mm -hmm. i think it's uh i always tell people my mom was an antique collector right so i started collecting baseball cards mm -hmm. so i have the collector gene in me but I don't understand collecting shoes. <laughs> what was it? $160 was the... $150. $150 was the retail... Right, box price. ...for Travis Scott mm -hmm. Dunks. And instantly you could buy them and put them on eBay for like four or 500 I think. It's, it's like a 1000 Okay, yeah. So this started a while ago, obviously. And it seems to be... And I, I know Letitia is probably calling me pissed off that I'm mentioning Nike so much. But we have to talk about this. It's like, what happened? How is it like Dunk? Did Dunk do what Supreme did and made a limited supply of shoes? And so they're worth a lot of money? Or did someone say these shoes are sick and every time they come out, we need them? Like, I, I don't get it. This one, we'll get to that later. But this one was shops were like postponing it and figuring out other ways to do it because it was so crazy yeah but if we start from the beginning mm -hmm. of this i don't know if you even know but do you have an idea of like how this started or i honestly i think sneaker collecting obviously was existing when the original dunk sb craze 
came about in the early 2000s. We were an early shop to get Nike. You know, it was a hard choice at first. Like, skateboarders were averse to Nike. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, remember they tried a couple times to get in to mm-hmm. shops and it, the first one didn't work remember they they came in when shoes were really puffy and tech at first and they were making like a low profile kind of looking shoe and nobody bought it it didn't they had the I feel like they had an ad it was like tennis players or something trying to climb out of it it was like making an analogy skaters trying to like escape oh, the yeah uh, you remember that yeah 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 and um nobody bit it didn't work Xavier came around we had it it was kind of it was like hundred dollar skate shoes and everybody was like what and didn't mm-hmm. it didn't really take off it didn't work for that long and then what happened pretty much is when when it worked was that that time skate shops were doing horribly it resonated with us because all of the skate shoe brands had been really opening up their distribution. So at the time, we had, you know, multiple big sporting goods stores right around us that were carrying all the same shoes we had, and they were selling them like buy one, get one free and things oh. like this. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a store called Copeland Sports, yep. and it was like this massive sporting goods store, and they had full skate shops where all the legit brands sold to them. Uh-huh. And there was one on either side of us within like a couple miles. Fuck. Yeah, and that was killing us. It was really killing our business. It was like very damaging because shoes is a big part of your business it was especially back then before the internet uh-huh. uh-huh. anyway so um nike came in right when everybody all the independent shops were grumbling about the distribution issues with the big brands and the big brands were kind of like well they need to make money. What do you want us to do? I don't, you know, they didn't, they weren't agreeing to not sell. <laughs> it was like done. You know what I mean? I feel like at the time, you know, indie skate shops, there's kind of like a cultural idea that's happening right now, which I really appreciate that independent skate shops are really important. The feeling in the industry felt like the opposite at that time mm. in the early 2000s. Like people in these companies were having conversations like, independent skate shops are going to be a thing of the past soon. We need to make our money. We need to like get our foot into like legitimate, um, you know, avenues of distribution, such as these big sporting goods stores that will for sure be around forever. You know what I'm saying? It's lazy and easy too, because it's like, there's one of these in every mall in every city across the country. Yeah. So if I get into one of them, yeah. that's five million I've sold as opposed to each shop and the uniqueness of it. Yeah, I mean, I heard a higher high up at a a brand. I'm not going to name, but I was in a meeting where some I heard a director say that independent skate shops are probably going to be a thing of the past, and we need to focus elsewhere and. Um, Look at look at soccer stores. Look at tennis stores. You don't see those anymore. That's what's going to be. Hmm. Anyway, Nike, you know, came in right at that time. 
perfect timing and just put their arm around all the independent skate shops. So you are important. You're important to us. We're going to take care of you. This, you guys are so important. We want to focus on the independent skate shop. When everybody was feeling like nobody cares about us, oh, like so we're not important. you can only get them at skate shops? At first. Oh. Well, and again. There was the first wave. Uh-huh. First round of dunks we got. There was like an orange and black one and like a blue and red one, the shark one, and then a green and black one. There was like three dunks. It's our first one. And we this got like them in. 2005-ish? I think, yeah. Okay. Right around then. Uh-huh. And... It was our first ones we had. Jerry and I were like out of town when the day that they we got them and released them. And I remember Jerry said that he had wanted a pair and he called the shop and was like, oh, can you set aside a pair of those? I kind of want to keep a pair of those. And they were like, they're all gone. We're like, what? How could they all be gone? What do you mean? Like, do, do we just put them out? Like, there was like people waiting to buy them. That's the part I don't get. We don't know how it happened either. <laughs> I don't know how people heard about it. We didn't. That was, that was, well, I wish I could answer your question. That was like a really long explanation. I didn't even answer the question. I don't know. People wanted to collect them. I don't know why it worked with that one, but it, it did. Was it there did. some marketing around it? Like, I don't remember. Yeah. There, there might, had to There have must been, have been, right? but maybe they marketed to like, because it was not skaters. But you guys like didn't market it at that time, right? No, we didn't have any marketing avenue. We were like advertising in the yellow pages. It was super crazy, and then it it was on. Like, every time we get a dunk, there'd be a line, and it really, like, brought us back because we were doing really badly at yeah. the time, and then it, <laughs> it, like, saved a lot of shops, you know? Through that, you know, like, Nike ended up getting a lot of love from a lot of independent shops because they were the only ones at the time that were providing this Mm-hmm. for all of us and they were doing a lot of good things for skateboarders too that hadn't been done like skaters were making money you know mm-hmm. it was and then stefan shoe blew the fuck up he that one did really well i mean he did really well yeah that's great <laughs> yeah like, shout out like your first time with it right. how quickly after that were you like oh we gotta treat this special like do you do a raffle now or, or something we did all those years, we always did just line, people just lined up on when it came out, you know? Uh-huh. Because I know when I was back at No Comply, Elias, I don't remember exactly what it is, but I think you have to buy something over a certain amount of money, and then that puts you into a raffle, and then they draw those, and that's how they give. The, was that recent or like back in the day? I think that was for the Piet Para. That was like uh, a few recent. months ago when I was there. Right. Okay. So yeah, th- back in the Sorry, Elias, t- if I fucked that up, but it's something like that. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Back in the first wave in the 2005 time, that time, it was just lineups, you know? And uh-huh. we so could So first do, come, first serve. First come, first serve. And we could just do, we would like, we would just like mark it up. We didn't do it for box price. That was acceptable. We would like be like, okay, it's selling on eBay for four hundred dollars. The box price is one hundred. We're gonna sell it for two twenty five. Oh, we would just make a price and sure. like that was acceptable. Of course, you wouldn't do it because of ethics. Mm-hmm. But what prevents you from just buying ten pairs yourself and selling them on eBay? Like you well, would come up like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, we we risk our relationship with Nike. I'm making this up. I'm making this part up, but I know a little bit that, you know, like each section, each part, I know it in Vans too. And in Nike, it's like SB is its own 
yeah. thing, its own part of the company. It's yeah. in, like they have their own. But then there's at some point there's like a big boss who's not SB, who's actually is still calling the shots because it's part of Nike. Yeah. And when the big boss sees well, these shoes are really popular. The big boss, even though maybe the skaters who are working in Nike SB are like, we need to keep this in this independent skate shops and our integrity. And we told them it was just going to be and then the big boss is like, mm, we could be selling way more of these. And I think it's time that these need to be now. And now like Zoomies wants a million pair or you know, whatever, like these bigger chains, they want to get into it. And like, Yes, we're going to do that. And they just like blew it completely out uh, after a little while. Okay. Like, so we had a couple years but early then on. that diminishes the worth, right? Completely. There was a long period of time where nobody was interested in dunks. And then I'm not exactly sure why all of these, probably somebody out there is like, probably thinks I should know this or does know it, but I don't know why they, maybe Jerry even knows and he's gonna be like what you don't know but <laughs> you should <laughs> know that they did they become they you know they became popular again but this time social media uh. and this time there's resale websites that are much more user-friendly so like anybody can be a reseller now whereas it used to be like yeah you could throw it on ebay but there were fakes on ebay and there were there were other problems with ebay that made it difficult like you had to be a little more savvy then jerry made an observation that it seems like this have has happened co corresponded with when the economy is really strong i think you have to have enough people out there who will pay a thousand dollars you know i would say a lot of the people buying dunks are trying to resell them you know yeah it was so so much demand for the travis scott that we we tried to do a cop date raffle um, and we really like cop date. It's a good app and those guys are really cool. It's just, it's a small business, you know, and they're what trying to get it? go. It's an app that facilitates like a raffles, but it's, you know, called cop date. So, so it does like a drawing. Right. So basically we send them a numbers, the sizes we have breakdown and whatever, and then people download the app and then they sign up for our route. Like they can follow, you find our shop and then you can find what release we're doing and you sign up, you can sign up for the raffle through this app. And then they just, it like randomly selects all the people based on the sizes we gave them and then they just give us the list of winners and we don't have to even call people like they get notified through the app and through email first come first serve was getting really messy because when the demand is too high people end up camping outside your store for days and days and days and it's not safe it's a mess no none of your neighbors are happy oh um my God. it's just like people are fighting and it's like black friday it's not good <laughs> the more people to get into it the less that format works right so but then for this one did the cop bait not even work so well so it, so many people used so many skate shops used cop date for the first time on this one that yeah, it, it like, overloaded. It like overloaded. They couldn't handle it. Yeah, nobody so could sign up. what did you do? We were like, okay, we could wait like a week, but we didn't really want to postpone it for too long. Um, so we figured we were going to have to do like an in-store raffle, but we felt like it's going to be so much work to do this in-store raffle that we want to figure out a way to make it worth our while, <laughs> you know. 
So we decided to do a fundraiser and it was um, Treasure Island Skate Park's three year anniversary. So we decided that we were going to sell raffle tickets, $20 each up to a three raffle ticket max and all the money for the raffle tickets, we would just pass on to Treasure Island Skate Park. Oh, nice. But it ended up being over $30,000. Shout out. And then we still get to, we sell the shoes, you know, we still sell the shoes to the raffle winners. <laughs> the money we collected for the skate park doesn't like come out of our sales. It's just like it was the money that we collected for oh, the raffle ticket for people stoked. to. Yeah, he's going to get to do a lot of new How cool. new work on the park with this money. I it's, had no idea. That's amazing. This is St. Patrick's Day. Bra and shit. What about the kid that caught on fire? Do we know anything about that? I heard he's okay. And did you already have the drawing and, and get? Yeah, every, yeah, the dunks are gone. The money is to Josh. The dunks are gone. It's all done. I called. Do you get to hear some crazy celebrations on the phone? Yeah, it was awesome. Like, I mean, it took all day, and I was pretty tired. But a lot of people were so happy. There's people <laughs> crying. <laughs> They're crying. They're crying or they were like, yeah, screaming or they were just so excited. And I love that because you I started being like, some of those. hey, this is Dandy from 500. They'd be like, did I win or something? Yeah. It's like, I'm about to make your day. You got to do it like the radio station and you got to record it. You're like, hey, this is Dandy from 510. What's your favorite skate shop? Yeah, it was pretty fun. Um, uh, I mean, besides being, it was a lot of work, and we aren't going to do that again for a while. We'll we're going to go back to cop date if we can, you know. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, for sure. I'm guessing it's just going to get bigger. Like, yeah, the but next one's probably like Kanye mm -hmm. or like some bigger name than Travis Scott. I don't think so. Okay, they might do a talking Schmidt one. That's the word out. <laughs> yep, talking Schmidt. Dunks. That one's gonna be the craziest one yes. of all. We're gonna raise fifty thousand dollars yes. for something. A new mic. <laughs> I bet there's some crazy people out there that have like this whole room is a, a different shoe. You know, for sure. I probably could Google this, but whoever emails me, talking Schmidt at gmail .com, with the best photo of their uh, collection. I want to see the highest priced, the one that's worth the most, and I want to see the most variety. Wow. So if you have like, I don't know what's realistic. Do you have over 200 different pairs? And do you have one that's worth like, I guess is Travis Scott the most one? Is that thousand dollars or is there ones that are like five oh, or there's 10? there's ones 100? that are worth way more than that. All right, that. so yeah. I want to see those and each category wins a 
fun box of goodies that I'll put together for you. Oh, so cool. From all the good people in my life that contribute to my well-being. So I won't name any specifics because I don't want to leave anyone out and I don't want to get into trouble either. So let's see what you got out there. I want to see this shit. Famous people mm-hmm. coming into the shop. You ever get Billy Joe, any of no. the Green Day guys, E-40? Yeah. I don't know. Do we, we have, have what? had some nope. famous people. Oh, God. Yeah. And Too Short walking in. Nope. Oh, oh, I got um, Usher. Usher came. Really? Yep. Oh, Jerry says Sean Penn. Sean Penn, because his kid skate. Sean Penn's kid was featured in a magazine walking down the street with Sean, and he was wearing a low-card shirt. Oh, yeah. And Randy Johnson. He's like a oh, baseball yeah. player. Oh, yeah, and a photographer. I think we've had a lot of famous people, but I can't remember all of them. All right. um, Alyssa Steamer came in yeah, the other day. She's, she came in she's delivered so our, famous she won't come on, so, on my podcast. Really? <laughs> she came and delivered our Nar Hunters box, and I was very excited. Thank she's, you, Alyssa. She's the best. Do you remember when, and this is no disc because I know Max yeah. is listening, and his mom owns Bomb of the Hill, mm-hmm. Ramona. There was a time where shows every week were mind-blowing and maybe it shows my age but now i can't find any over there that i want to go see it's probably my fault that i don't know good bands anymore but i saw the white stripes at bottom of the hill i saw them bimbos right in north beach no i I saw them no but i saw them there oh i didn't is that what it's called there yeah 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 Yeah. how's bimbo stay open in 2020 which one if you could play any instrument tomorrow which one would it be it would be guitar uh, my dad is actually a drummer. He's an incredible drummer. And he, um, yeah, he's practiced like an hour a night for my whole life. He still does. And he's in. Does he have like, electric drums? Now he does. But he, he would can. just be in our garage and he soundproofed it and everything. Oh, and he would right. only be able to play drums like before during a certain time, certain hours. during certain hours. Yeah, my dad is also trans transgender person oh so that's another interesting i have like a very interesting family uh-huh my family is more interesting than i am this podcast probably should have been i don't know you got a lot of stuff going. <laughs> we've been talking for hours i didn't even know the gymnastics thing was pretty like we could dive right into that um do you want to talk about the transgender thing at all I could talk about it. I actually asked my dad like what can i tell about you your life because uh-huh. um I'm referring to him as he because that's okay with him, our relationship. It's all good. Everybody out there, people might wonder, like, why are you referring to him if he presents as female? But I think my dad is very androgynous and comfortable with himself, herself. He's kind of like, I don't mind. It's older generation. It is. The new generation, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but is Funny, I was listening to something earlier today on a podcast, and they kind of cleared it up for me a little. And I don't mean to belittle anything, but as kids, we were rebellious. And we wanted, not intentionally, I don't think, to upset our adults to prove that we were a different generation. And I think every generation's done that to some degree. Mm -hmm. And I think this is part of that. Not saying it's not real in any way. What I'm saying is, like, we want to bark at you. Right. You don't understand us. You know, your dad could probably be like, I'm, I've been through it. Yeah. (laughs) Like who am I going to get my dad to be mad? Like, you know, I don't know, but it kind of cleared that up a little for me. Totally. The he, she, they, like 
that thing is so um, delicate and fragile, and I've been struggling with it um, a lot and of trying to understand it and understand the you know the whole thing. Whether it's like, how am I supposed to know right away? Um, why are you getting so mad at me for you know like if I keep making that same mistake? Right. Okay, but like right out of the gate, you're barking at me like that's not a way for this uh, relationship to work. You right. know, so. I'm interested, though, a lot about that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's it's challenging for me, too, because because my dad has always not asked, you know, that I just not care. Just like, call me whatever you want, as long as you love me and you're respectful and I can express myself. He's like, I'm your dad still and refer to me whatever you feel comfortable <laughs> Uh-huh. So yeah, so I'm getting. But used your to whole life, uh, he came out to me when I when I was 18. 18. But then, like I said, my dad is my biggest supporter. Yeah. My mom's very supportive too. My parents are still together. Oh, They've cool. been together for. My dad was only 19 when I was born, and my mom was 28, and they have been together ever since. So oh. since my dad was seven, my, they've been together since my dad was 17. And, Damn, that's amazing. Yeah. I always wonder are. Is it gonna, or has it already come to the point where you're supposed to kind of ask somebody as you're being introduced, how do you want to be referred to? Right. You know, like, is that what life is? And no sarcasm at all. I'm, I'm just wondering if that's like, and I was actually hoping to have Cher on or or somebody to talk kind of more specifically on these things. Um, And just, you know, like, what are you looking for from me to 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 help in all of this? How can we do this better? I know how we're fucking up. Right. And social media, again, yeah. is at fault for just exploiting it in the right or wrong direction all the time and, and that stuff. But well, I don't, also don't think there's a right answer to those questions for every person. You know what I mean? Every person feels differently about it. And I, it is difficult because sometimes maybe somebody presents as looking like completely a specific gender so I wouldn't think to ask what would you how would you like to be referred because Mm -hmm. I I see feel like it's obvious how they want to be referred to and if I ask that maybe they'll think that I don't think it's obvious (laughs) like I feel like if somebody asked my dad that, he'd be like, what, do I not look female? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. maybe doubt that he was right. looking. To, like, he really likes when people say, hi, ma'am, can I? Or, you know, uh, like, and I notice it early on we'd be at a because he looked the same to me. My dad doesn't wear a bunch of makeup or anything. He just looked, he's very androgynous looking to me he looks similar to how he's always looked you know Uh but then we'll be at a restaurant and the waitress doesn't even flinch to refer to him as female you know what i mean and i'm like okay to the public he looks or i'd be like oh this is my dad and people would be like super confused and like okay he looks like a woman to other people you know when we're in public i'll just and we'll say, hey, dad, uh, or whatever. I'll be, re- I'm very respectful. I love my dad so much and yeah. respect him so much. He's so much happier, you know, before in when I was a kid, he was much 
he was pretty grumpy and mm. moody. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Um, <laughs> and like since he came out and started expressing himself publicly, he has become just really happy and social and like outgoing person has lots of friends and played the drums for a long time yeah since he was 10 it's so cool like i used to play drums and my biggest challenge was like it's too loud and i don't have a space where i can uh soundproof i don't have a garage or anything like that we had a studio for a long time because i was in a band but once the band's gone you can't afford to pay for a studio just so you can go hit your drums my dad had this dream that one of his you kids could be a would, band. that or he would no he would pass on the drums because oh. somebody would take an interest in playing drums and he could uh-huh. teach i mean for a while he was paying my younger sister to t- for him to give her drum lessons Whoa. he would pay her oh i'll pay you t- for me to teach you to play did, did she stick with she it for a little bit no. no with my dad also when he came out to me it was such a different time there was no, like, I had no reference at all for yep. what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's like, you know, it's like that person. No, there was none of that. During that time, I was still kind of like, I wasn't hanging around skateboarders, you know. Oh, okay. When I moved to Oakland and I started hanging out with skaters, really, they're, the people I would meet were the first people who I started hanging out with who when I would say oh my dad is this way they'd be like oh that's cool yeah that's right maybe if I had lived in a different part of the country it maybe the skaters wouldn't have been that way but the people who I met in San Francisco thought that was cool fuck yeah well we're in the best area of the world for all this yeah yeah I mean my mom's really cool too mom you're so cool too you know my mom was on stage at Woodstock when Jimi Hendrix played Hey Joe she's actually in the Woodstock movie Hey Joe Where you going with that gun of yours Really? What? And she's done so many other super super cool things since that she doesn't even she doesn't even count that as like a cool I mean she kind of thinks it's cool but it's like she's definitely about human transformation and being like now and what you're doing, you know, she doesn't like a live in the past kind of person really. So she does, she's like, I've done so many cooler things, but yeah. she, uh, she gave you know, birth to you in a house, <laughs> in a house. Yeah. I didn't do that in San Francisco. In San Francisco. You in can a house. always for your entire life say you were born in San she's Francisco. So, she's so proud That's of badass. that. She, you know, like, yeah, she had a baby in a house, like no drugs or nothing. Was it in a bathtub? No, in a bedroom. Oh, okay. I, think, I don't know. If, did they do that then? I don't know. I don't know. Um, one thing I forgot to uh, mention about the 510 yes. is the uh, Kehlani tattoo. Yeah. Yeah, Kehlani grew up coming coming around. She used to hang out on Telegraph and stuff before she got famous. Do you want to do a little... Um, Shout out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Kehlani. Shout out. I wanted to um, talk to you about some East Bay stuff. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Oh, we just got another call. Who's calling? Hello, Dandy. Max Schaff here. My question is, who was the wildest person you've ever put on the 510 team? Like, who was a mixture of talent and crazy? Please answer this question. (laughs) Thanks for calling, Max. This is a hard, wild and crazy. I mean, 
the Atlanta guys were, they were pretty wild and crazy. Sean Stockton, Will New, uh, John Newport, <laughs> Will Oates, uh, those guys were pretty pretty wild and crazy. That was early days of the shop. The shop was open when John was out here? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yellow Wolf. <laughs> but you know, John yep, Newport, yep. shout out. That's my boy. Yeah. Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> but there we had a whole Atlanta Atlanta crew. They were uh, they were pretty wild and crazy. Um, I don't know. There's been so many over the years, but I'm going to have to stick with those guys as a as a as a team. <laughs> thanks for calling Max. God, I think thanks, that's Max. the first time he's called in. <sighs> I'm honored. I'm stoked he even knows about the show. We'll have to give a shout out to 4Q. Shout out. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. So good. Okay. Have we touched base on all the stuff that you wanted to talk about? I definitely wanted to give some shout outs. Okay, let's do that. I mean, I really, really want to shout out 510 staff. Shout out. We have the best staff. And Bows and Arrows staff too, but this is a skateboarding podcast, so we're going to stick at 510 and those guys, awesome. I love you guys. And then just our the team. Shout out. Oh, my God. I can't start naming all everybody yeah. because that's good. I'm going to get the T.E.D. for most <laughs> shout outs. And <laughs> I want to shout out Elad and Ellie, new company, Daisy Dog Biscuit. Shout out. Ooh. It's, I actually, they sell it at the farmer's market. And I know they have it in a bunch of stores, too, but I actually ate one the other day. Because it's totally edible. It's just like a bland. Oh. It's just real food, you know? Okay. It didn't taste that good to me, but Our dog the dogs really like finicky. it. Our dog If it's the wrong mixture, diarrhea. They're going to probably be like mo- millionaire moguls in a few years when their dog biscuits are everywhere. Oh, I don't know. This is coming out in a week from now. Mm-hmm. But apparently today or tomorrow is the day if you ever wanted to buy a stock to buy a stock. Today because, it already happened. <laughs> well, or tomorrow, the stock dropped a lot. Right, yes. So it's a really good time to invest mm-hmm. the money because it, things can only go up from here. So is that, maybe is that right? Things Daisy can only Dog, go up from here? I hope so. I don't think Daisy Dog Biscuit has stock. It's not publicly traded. Can we get it public by next week? <laughs> can we buy stock at 510? No. <laughs> Sorry. What should not we yet. buy stock in? In and out burger? Um not Apple, right? That's too obvious. I don't know. I just I just sort of try to stay like like high high rated on morning mornings morning star? Is oh. that what it's called? Uh mutual funds. You know, I try to I don't know. I'm not I'm not an expert in this and so I don't try to like beat the stock market. If I'm putting if I'm putting any money in the stock market, it's like okay, what's you know, what's like Safe, safe-ish, just... Disneyland. I actually have two shares of Disney stock. My grandma gave those to me. I'm going to go home and get two shares tonight. Every year when I'm doing my taxes, the accountant is like, okay, and these two shares of... <laughs> you know, I got the dividends. It's like a check for a dollar seventy-six. He's That's like, okay, and you have your dollar seventy-six. That's what I want to do is buy just one share of something. <laughs> Who, yep. who knew that they were when they tuned into this show today? They were going to learn Get about stock stocks. advice. Yeah, hey, did you ever hear of a big ocean mob four one five in Richmond? Should I have? Yeah. I, okay. They were cut. really they, yes, no, I've no, heard no. Of them. You probably shouldn't have, but you should have because they were super. I love them. Of course, I know them. Yeah, and no, they ha- and their the front of their album cover was a map of the Bay Area, and it said four one five super big on there, and cool. they had this song that was all. 
What's up, Richmond? What's up with a rich man's radio? I love that. You're going to have to lend it to me. Do you got a song that you want to end the whole thing with? You know, in the early 2000s, before I had kids and the whole indie rock scene explosion, it, explosion happened, and I was so happy about that. Like, I really like that music a lot, just that style. Um, and there's so many bands from that time. And I was going to shows all the time at Bottom of the Hill and um, saw so many great ones there. But uh, I really loved I really love Modest Mouse, especially mm-hmm. at that time. The first, Their first two albums I listened to all the time. Lonesome Crowded West is a favorite of mine. So I was going to end it with Doing the Cockroach by Modest Mouse. Well, that's a good one. And then I loved Fugazi. And I saw Fugazi in the East Bay at the Henry J. Kaiser Convention Center. Oh, really? So I saw them at, De- I saw them at Dolores or... Park that time. They played oh, at yeah. Dolores Park. I saw them there too. You were there? Yeah. Amazing. I saw Devo at the City Hall. I for saw free. that too. Yeah, Fugazi at Dolores was sick. I have photos of that. We do. Yeah. That was a f- great day. I want to give a shout out to Cairo Foster. Shout out. Because I think he introduced Built the Spill to me with yep. his Transworld part. Yeah. Just a shout out to Cairo because you're Cairo and we love Cairo. When he lived in Oakland, he lived like pretty close to where I lived and we were friends. We hung out and we're still friends, but. Portland. I see how it is. I remember one day, can I say a story of a day where Cairo really saved my life when I was early motherhood? This is crazy. This is such a crazy day where um, I lived just like maybe a, a mile from Cairo and, um, I had a, my ba- my first baby, my daughter, and she was a baby. And I had decided that she was maybe like a couple months old. It was like new motherhood. And I decided I was going to, there was a new Whole Foods, the one that opened in Oakland. And it was like two miles from my house. But I was so excited that I could like walk to Whole Foods from my house. And I lived right near MacArthur Bart Station. So I thought at the time, and I thought, I'm going to take a walk with my baby to Whole Foods and it's going to be this like great time and great day. So I walked all the way over there and then it was actually like really hot and harder walk than I thought just because with a baby, sometimes they need things unexpectedly, you know? And so when I walked home, I actually, I didn't want to take the same route I had taken because I didn't, it was actually like, there was no shade and it was a really hot day and it wasn't a very nice walk. I walked up, I think I was on Broadway is what it was and it was just not nice. So I thought I'm going to take this other route and I ended up like kind of lost and my baby started super crying and freaking out and I was just like on the street and I didn't know what to do. I was like really (laughs) upset and I realized I was close to Cairo's house. And so I went to his house and knocked on the door and I was like crying and I was like, can I come in and like take care of my baby? And he was like, yeah, of course. And he already had his daughter. His daughter, He was like ahead of me by yeah. a couple years, you know? Uh-huh. And so he just like invited me in and was like, yeah, just what do you need? And He's like, there's this thing called a bottle. <laughs> put it in his mouth. <laughs> he helped me that day. I remember like he was so rad and he just like let me just 
hang out at his house till like everything was handled Sick. and baby was all better and I was better and I to- always remember that day and he maybe remembers it but I definitely remember <laughs> <laughs> that rules Cairo's the best I've known him for a long time and then about and then a thing where Max saved me he probably doesn't remember this he didn't save me like that but you said you know his mom owns bottom of the hill uh-huh. so going back to the bands one of the bands that I loved the most at the time was the Yeah Yeah Yeahs. Like oh, I was real like same. I really loved the Yeah Yeahs. Their very first album. Like I even listened to the the very first one before um, Fever, Fever to, to Tell. Tell came out. But before Fever to Tell, they had like a four yeah, song. Like, yeah, it's yeah. Like that art That's star my song. favorite song, and they hardly ever play it live. <laughs> so, so I got wind that they were playing at Bottom of the Hill, and it was totally really? yeah, and it was sold out. And I called Max. I didn't see that. Max may not remember this, but maybe he probably does, actually. And I called him, and I was just like, I'm so sorry to bother you like this, but is there any way you could get me in to <laughs> show at bottom? No way. And you went, you got in? He did. Wait, he got wait, me Wait, was that in. before Fever to Tell? Maybe it was, like, right when Fever to Tell came out. For me, it was like holy shit like i've been seeing bands and they've i've seen dudes going crazy or i've seen people just standing there but she is a wild isn't that the best feeling i remember like she was like doing beer and spitting it all exactly (laughs) and she was just she didn't give a shit that one song it's the year to be hated so glad that you made it and it's like one two three and then it's on that yeah 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 song yeah it's the four (laughs) it's no it's like it's the year to be hated so glad that we made it cause all the kids in the street Whisper sounds that sweet The stars under their feet Well, it's the year to be Once they got bigger, like Maps came out or whatever, and then it was like Maps the was such a good song, stuff, but yeah, they didn't one, play as much. Maps was is, is such a great song, but it it's like when a song becomes like a radio airplay song, it just feels like okay, now I've heard this song a so and everybody's heard this song a million yeah. times, and I think I think it is a great song still, but yeah, just so I mean, I guess it gets almost like played out, you know. And that's like Modest Mouse when Float On came and became this big hit. It's like they have so much better music than that, and mm-hmm. that was frustrating. Like this is the yeah. this is the hit. I got a, another tie-in though. Yeah, yeah, yeah's mm-hmm. live DVD. You ever seen it? No. Live at the Fillmore. Greg Hunt filmed it, 
and I'm in I might, it. I might have been there. I, I was I there. Tried to get to, I tried to go it. to every IAS. If show. you look really slow at one of the songs that pans <laughs> by, and I'm like, shooting photos. Oh, I'm going to look Because we, I interviewed her, and that's one of my biggest... I'm so bummed on that that like I didn't keep the audio of that interview. She had a skateboard on her necklace around her <gasps> neck, and she talked about skateboarding for a long time. And I was oh like, "God, you're the best." Okay, and, like, she I... was dating Spike at the time, oh and like God. it was just like this is everything. All right, Karen O, if you're listening, yeah. I'm a huge fan. Shout out to Karen O. <laughs> Shout out. Well, that takes us to the. Um, Final, final. This is the after Black Hammer section. Okay. It's International Women's Month, right? Mm-hmm. So we got to give some shout out to the ladies. Karen yeah. O is definitely up there for me. I love Brody. I don't know if you know who Brody is, but she's a singer for the Distillers. Mm. Janice Joplin, obviously. Oh, yeah. I don't know, like all time women. Well, you know, I haven't eaten for like five hours at this point. I know. <laughs> like we're going brain, deep. I'm so brain. sorry. No, I, lo- I love it. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I do want to shout out... Um, Female skaters, I don't want to leave anybody out, but I do especially want to shout out Amy Carone, which Amy, I always thought your last name was pronounced Karen, but now apparently it's Carone. Alex said it like that. But Amy used to live in... Half Moon Bay, right? No, but for a while she was in the East Bay and she rode for the shop. She was like, that Atlanta, all those Atlanta, John and Will, and like every, she skated with our team and like hung out went we partied all the time when she was so young and then she'd like bring vanessa around sometimes <laughs> vanessa was really those young those two are so great and, yeah uh but those guys vanessa amy i'm definitely i need vanessa and amy yeah, both you guys, to be on the show i gotta just what? go down south okay i'm trying to go non-dairy actually i've been ice cream is the only thing that i I can go non-dairy on it, but I I love the dairy. I love ice cream. But I've been doing coconut or almond milk. I don't drink any milk anymore. Wow. I don't know. I'm just trying to feel eat food that makes me feel good. So if it doesn't make me feel good, I try to eat very little of it. Yoga is good. And I do a lot of yoga. I get to really challenge myself, and um, and also it allows my body to stay in shape enough that I can keep skateboarding because. Um, yeah, I'm feeling like my back, I've had got some back issues the last few years after having kids and carrying around because I'm a mm. pretty small person for those mm. who don't know. I'm like five feet, hundred pounds, you know, and mm. yeah, I had some back, back stuff. And then, um, like, you know, just as you know, you're getting older. It's like, it's a real treat. If yeah. You guys are about <laughs> to get older. Do it. It's super, super fun. fun. <laughs> Well, on that note, we will take it to Modest Mouse. I really had a great time. Thank you so much. And uh, I really appreciate it. It was good catching up. And like you say, I I feel the same way. Like, I've seen you around for a long time. And I I feel that I know you, but I don't know you know you. Yeah. And it was good to just kind of like just shoot the shit today. And and really, like, I do consider you a friend now. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on this. I mean, when I got your DM, I was embarrassed how excited I was. Aww. I didn't hide it very well. I'm like, wow, <laughs> dude, this is, I'm such a huge fan. Aww. Yeah, I love podcasts. I listen yeah, to podcasts all the same. time. same. Oh, yeah, my dad is listening probably, and he wants me to tell this quick story. Okay. When I did drink, 
and I was living at my mom's house. One night I came home late at night and I sat on the porch and the cat jumped up on my lap and I started petting our cat and just sitting on the couch drunk. I mean, on the front porch Porch drunk and I passed out. My mom gets a phone call late at night from the police and they're like, miss, can you look out on the front porch? Don't be alarmed. We just want to know if you know this person. <laughs> it's like two thirty-three in the morning. My mom's like, ah, "That's my son." <laughs> All right. Yeah. I was in heaven. I was in hell. Believed, believed in them. neither, but feared them as well. Yeah.
you so much. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I think this is a great song to end with, too. I think so, too. I was so excited about it. Yeah. I texted you, and then I'm like, I'm such a dorky. I don't even like this band. No, I don't know. I've been I backstage like with Isaac a few times because my friend Joel Price is, like, good friends with him. So I've awesome. been at, like, private shows for uh, Dream Macromedia they did at oh, the yeah. Fillmore. And I like, was there, too. Oh, really? Yeah, because... Who was it that we were friends with? And like nobody listened to them the whole time except yeah. then Float On came and everybody came. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and it was super annoying. And then yeah. backstage, Isaac was like, they were getting super wasted and him and his girlfriend were like throwing things around and, and everything. he might like, have ended up in the hospital that night. I think I was there. Yeah, yeah. Fillmore. Yeah. Huh. See? Past and Fugazi, Dolores. world. Thank you guys all for listening. Um, I actually wrote a little something down that I wanted to end in um, because, you know, I've been listening to podcasts lately and getting some tips from others. And one of the things that they all seem to say, remember, if you'd like to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for stopping in and sharing with us today, Dandy. Look for us next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Tuesdays on the podcast. We never know who will be the guest. But uh, enjoy your St. Patty's Day and tell a friend. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews and a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow. All of the episodes will always remain free, but if you would like to help support the show, you can do so at TalkingSchmidt.com, where you can pick up some merchandise like t-shirts, beanies, hats, and stickers. The website has an entire archive of all of the episodes with extra photos and videos. Email us with any suggestions, comments, or ways that the show may have improved your life at talkingschmidt at gmail.com. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature. A very special shout out goes to the executive director, Cheryl Camisa. This is Talking Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper.